Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chan. And I'm Sarah Watt. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month, we are discussing Theatre Camp, which came out this year, and Waiting for Guffman, which came out way back in 1996. The connection being, they are both mockumentaries based on amateur theatre. That's one of the tidiest kind of connections we've had in a long time. <laughs> it absolutely is. And it's one of the few, few times, isn't it, that we've watched the second film, having thought about what the first would be, and gone, this is a total match. It's yeah. almost like a giveaway. Yeah. So we can probably knock this off in about 10 minutes and yeah. then go home. Mini-sode. Yeah. All right, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Please be warned that we will be talking spoilers in both films. I, I wouldn't say either of these movies are massive movies to be spoiled from a plot no. perspective. But from a joke perspective, there's some really great surprises mm. and some fun bits mm. to be enjoyed for the first time in the moment. Mm. So if you haven't seen either film, in fact, if you haven't seen both movies, because they're both brilliant, I think, pause this episode and come back to us at a future date. All right, Theatre Camp, the new film that's just come out a few months ago or in the last few months. Sarah, give us a bit of a, an overview of this new movie. Great. So Theatre Camp uh, is, as you say, Jeremy, a mockumentary. And, it's, and I believe that it's set actually sort of in contemporary New York State or New York, um, I would say the burbs, no, but out, out in New York. Although the funny thing about it is... Theatre, amateur theatre being what it is, it's timeless. Um, theatre Camp's a mockumentary. It's directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman. And uh, Molly Gordon, actually, uh, this is her co-directorial debut. She's also the one of the two leads of the show, and it tracks uh, two camp leaders at a, um, a, a theatre camp, as the name suggests, um, it's kind of a, a down-at-heel theatre camp. It's not one of the posh, expensive ones that's uh, just across the fence. And uh, these kids have been gravitating to camp for the summer every year. And um, as is traditional, auditions are held, kids come together, um, auditions are held, rehearsals are had, and then the show must go on. And um, as is predictable, there are hiccups along the way. But the beautiful thing about it is the, the faux behind-the-scenes-ness um, the, the, the dead, straight-faced reality of young people um, putting on a show, which for some of us around this particular microphone is very resonant. Oh, resonant indeed. In fact, yeah. I walked out, because William and I saw it at the cinema together, and I walked out and said, I mean, between church camps, theatre, and being a teacher, there was a lot of triggers for me. In oh, this. yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Or resonance, shall we mm. say. Well, Waiting for Guffman came out, as I said, in 1996. It is... I guess the first of the Christopher Guest mockumentary films, he wasn't This Is Spinal Tap, the Rob Rayner film in, in the 1980s. But in terms of the series of films that Christopher Guest would helm, this is the first one that was uh, followed with Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration, and the television series, <clears throat> I think Family Tree and Mascots. Or mm. maybe Mascots was another film made for made for streaming film but this is the first one and it is about an amateur theater production in, a, in the city of blaine in mm. missouri uh it follows the similar to theater camp the auditions the rehearsals and then the eventual show with a lot of cut scenes talking heads and uh 
various other bits that make up the world of this show as well as the world of Blaine. Mm. It notably has a stellar comedian cast uh, with Christopher Guest himself playing Corky Sinclair. Uh, you've got Eugene Levy who co-wrote the film with uh, Christopher Guest, Catherine O'Hara, Fred Willard, Parker Posey, and a whole range of other great character actors and sort of, oh, that person mm. uh, moments throughout the film. Uh, this is one of my favourite movies of all time. I saw this as a teenager and as a theatre kid, it is deeply resonant. Mm. Um, Sarah had watched it many years ago, but mm. I guess we should start this podcast by handing it to William because hey. we, we're sitting in my lounge kind of dining area having just watched the film together. We mm. had a, what a lovely time, I think. Mm. Yeah, good always snacks, a good time. Yes. Wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a Friday night wine night. We usually right. record this on a Saturday morning, so mm-hmm. it's nice to... Be out, out and enjoying a film. And together. William hadn't seen Waiting for Guffman That's right. ever. This is uh, this is quite an experience, guys. Um, I've seen most of the other Christopher Guest movies, not Mascots, uh, mm. which I hear is, is okay. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> not really worth your effort. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is my first time watching this film, and and it's just it's great. Watch again, as you said, Jeremy. You and I went to see Theatre Camp together um, at the Rialto Cinemas. And uh, it was it was great watching it with you guys, like both films, really. Mm. Um, and as you you guys have very correctly pointed out, um, the three of us around the table, I think our connections with teaching, with drama, mm. with music, with performance, it really hits home in these two movies, mm. like in a really significant way. Mm. I think the yeah. laughter we shared today, and also mm. when we were at Theatre Camp. It's you know that you're getting some of those little jokes. Even Sarah, you said oh, I would love, I would be all about jumping into one of these films. Oh and yes, I think yeah. about your when you're what now years ago, right? Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I've seen videos of you as a young person, mm. uh, you know, performing and and jumping into these various. That's faux reality. That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? And yeah. that's absolutely what I love about mockumentary. And I know that the Office, the British Office, wasn't the first ever, but it was arguably the first biggest to bring mockumentary to the masses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say arguably because I haven't done my research on this. I mean, I think you're absolutely correct because it not only did, did it do that, The Office of the UK changed sitcoms. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's really only a smattering of classic, you know, canned, canned laughter sitcoms right. after the UK office. That's a very good point because, of course, there's no canned laughter. Everybody, and this is what I love about mockumentary, period, is everybody's so committed to playing it like they really mean it. Mm. And... Very seldom, I mean, the, 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 the caliber of the actors, definitely in theater camp, every single one of them, even Troy, who is the, the sort of the, the untheatrical child of the camp broski, leader, yeah. the broski. Like crypto bro, which is very 2023. He's very good at playing that absurd character like a real dude, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously um, Amos and uh, Rebecca Diane are absolutely uh, uh, yeah. intensely realistic. And, and, and Guffman, which is a little more twinkly, you know, kind of um, mm-hmm. uh, winking at the camera, tongue-in-cheek, kind of still just pulls back that little bit so that you think, oh my gosh, there could be small-town folk who are exactly like this, and uh, that's perfect. I think watching Guffman with you guys on Jeremy's, you know, um, high-def TV with what feels like motion smoothing... Yeah, so it feels a bit crazy. more... Hey, a bit more real. It looked like people on stage. Yes. Like, you could believe this is a, you know, a special production made for the 10th anniversary of Waiting for Government. That's and, true. 
Yeah. And it, it was a really, really cool viewing experience. That's right. As opposed yeah. to when you have your motion smoothing on for, I don't know, the equalizer yeah. or something, and you need it to look more like it, it's a film, it's mm. something else. I don't think it's motion smoothing, but it is 1080p, and it's some sort of transfer that they've done. So okay. they've done, some, they've done yeah. some sort of transfer. But it does or... have that almost looking like it's video. You yeah. remember the olden days of short oh, so and street and things it? like mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. it looks like you're right there with it, you know. Yeah, or the film stock, you can, you can really days see. Days of our it. lives or whatever. But yeah, yeah, true. yeah. I think um, in terms of that confidence of a character, I guess, or that sense of feeling like there's a, there's a real reverence for the people that they're playing. Yeah. It makes me think of an interview I listened to with Eugene Levy recently. I, I've just recently had no surgery so I could breathe better mm-hmm. uh, and had two weeks at home kind of recovering with a mm-hmm. dog sleeping on my, on my lap. Um, <laughs> And I watched the entire, rewatched the entirety of Schitt's Creek, which is a show that Eugene Levy produces with his son Dan Levy. And he said that when we made those films, alluding to Wayne Guffman and all the others I mentioned, they really focused on character. So mm. they really all had to know who these people were. And I think that's why the improvisation works so well. You know, when you've got um, Fred, Fred Willard's character right. and his wife, played by Catherine O'Hara, Sheila. And she's mentioning in, the, in the, one of the opening scenes, oh, you know, that surgery. I'm thinking, how did they do that? I was like, oh, well, they probably knew yes. that this Down piece the would track, come up it will come somewhere. Out. That's right. And so they play with when that gets revealed. Absolutely. And, I, and it makes it feel like a real, real people. And we were yeah. talking just as we were about to start recording about the representation of Corky as a gay man or a closeted gay man or as a yeah. sick, whatever his story yeah. is. And, and how does that work? Because... It is very, you know, there's an element of it being on the nose, but it still feels quite real. And I think it's because he, he feels like a real person. And this yeah. is the thing, right? It, they, 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 they push it so far with Corky that he has the, the ridiculous clothes. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, good Lord, I'm not suggesting gay men wear ridiculous clothes, but he's not dressing or speaking like your traditional state blame uh, what am I trying to say straight Blainian kind of dude (laughs) but then he'll allude to his wife and you just kind of know oh really okay sure (laughs) you know but it's not made a big deal of he's not swanning about in a a silk kimono Mm -hmm. and you know what I mean it's not OTT it's Mm. just pitched in a clever little nose tapping knowing sort of way similarly I mean look it's also subtle well I mean, arguably, I don't know. When when uh, Eugene Levy is doing the whole, well, I have to wear my glasses, and then he takes his glasses off and he goes cross-eyed. And then he puts the glasses on and brings his eyes back to normal. I mean, it doesn't need to be spelt out. It's just, it's a lovely little touch that totally works. That's amazing. And I think so much of that comes down to character building, brilliant improvisers and actors and comedians. Yeah. And I think the way they made the movie, they filmed a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they did a lot of work in post where they crafted that film. And, and another thing I was talking about before we started recording is the DVD of this movie has one of the, the best Trevor, tre, Trevor Troves, treasure, treasure Troves Trevor. Yeah, um, of cut scenes yeah. that, and, and really extended, like, you know, whole musical numbers. And then all of the scenes that precede that throughout the film to set that mo- moment of blank history up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, character, you know, we're talking about Bob Odenkirk being cut from the film. Um, so Bob Odenkirk, for listeners, readers, watchers, I, I'm sure he is just the vampire-dressed <laughs> character in the waiting room at the auditions. And you'll, you'll see, if you, if you Google, if you Google or YouTube, um, uh, waiting for Guffman, then there's a scene 
where I think you even get to maybe hear his voice or see his face a bit more. When Gull- in the film, Waiting for Guffman, blink and you'll miss him. And mm. he's got makeup mm-hmm. on as well. So if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. But isn't that extraordinary? Because now Bob Odenkirk is one of the hugest stars of television. Mm-hmm. And we all know who he is. But in 96, he was just a dude longing to be in a Christopher <laughs> Guest movie and not wind up on the cutting room floor. Similarly, can I just check? Because I do not watch Shit's Creek and I, d- I can't be asked. But is Ka- Catherine O'Hara's... Eugene Levy's wife in that, eh? Yes. So isn't that lovely? It's, honestly, Schitt's Creek is, on rewatch as well, just brilliant. Yeah. There's six seasons of brilliant television. <clears throat> Dan Levy really comes out as the... He's the su- son. He's the yeah, son. Yeah. He plays the son, but he's also the head writer on the show. Right. And uh, also kind of has his, has his kind of creative hands in lots of parts of the production. Yeah. Um, it, it is just a, a wonderfully formed show. And yeah. And I guess to the point I was making before, they spent a lot of time on those four family members of Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara as the parents. Yeah. Dan Levy as the son. Eugene Levy's actual daughter is in the show as well as another character in the town. Right. And then Annie Murphy, who was, you know, the classic story of her house burned down the day before her audition. She was about to give up Hollywood. Right. She got this audition and she gets this massive part. And then by the time you get to the sixth season, the final season, all yeah. four of them win. Yeah. Best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actor. she actress. presumably got a new house by then. Yeah, <laughs> you'd hope so. <laughs> That's all I'm hearing, but I, yeah. I mean, it is funny that you guys bring up TV so much because, I, I mean, you know, watching Waiting for Guffin for, for the first time and realizing that this movie is predating all of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense. Um, the connections in my head as I was watching it, it's like, this is Parks and Recreation. Mm, you know, that's so much of what makes Parks and Rec work mm. is their, their, their kind of amicable, you know, ribbing of small town culture. Yeah. And it's, it's this, it's Blaine. And right? Deadpan, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, pointing to things that aren't so glamorous about the town's history, but being super proud of it. That's yeah. like a quarter of every single joke in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff you guys, uh, especially you, Jeremy, were talking about with character, yeah, or characters bouncing off each other as well, reminded me a lot of Arrested Development, mm. um, especially because David Cross is in this movie in a bit part. Is UFO crop circle guy, yeah, um, and Odenkirk is arrested as well, and and kind of how that show is is built upon you as the audience knowing more and more and more about the characters as the show goes on, and so they can play these running jokes, they can have these 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 stupid things like the chicken dance, and you burst out laughing because the thing's been built up over three seasons. Absolutely. Um, and it just it all comes down to stuff like Waiting for Guffman, where, you know, in the mid to late 90s, these quote-unquote, you know, alt comedians were building these stories and, and these comedies that were very, very different from what was coming out in contemporary times. Yeah. Right? Um, the Jim Carrey's... The masks of the world. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely yeah. right. Mm. And I think about those those narratives that draw through. I think about In a Mighty Wind, the the Folksman, mm. which is um, yeah. Michael McKean, uh, yeah, Christopher Guest, and oh, and Harry, of course Michael Harry McKean Sheeran. wound up in Better Call Saul with Saul right. Goodman, Bob Odenkirk. Right. So they're brothers <laughs> in Better Call Saul. Well, you realise the Folksmen are mm. Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah, 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 so of course. The, the rock band. Of course. Harry Shearer, I saw, co-wrote the songs for uh, Wade from Guffman as well, right? Oh, 
Yeah, well, because they wrote the songs for, for Spinal, Spinal Tap. Tap. Yeah. And the music in Guffman is brilliant. <laughs> and and I sang, I sang as we were watching, and I said, I sang this song a lot. Yeah. And you didn't believe me. No, no, I thought you were taking the mickey. No, no. But the songs in Spinal Tap are marvellous. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think about maths occasionally, and I think about um, universal sets, subset, intersecting mm. sets, and I'm sure that somebody's already done one for all of the Christopher Guest movies, and that, you know, now we've said yeah. about Odenkirk and... And McKean and people like that are um, so. What a world to be a part of! Wouldn't yeah. it have been amazing? I think I think about these films. I do think of Spinal Tap as part of the family because yes. I do think it's. I do it's, too. It's you know it's got Fred Willard in there as well. Right. It's, it's really connected. And well, if you watch it, well, well, oh sorry, uh, I was just going to say the, if you watch it chronologically, you see what you're talking about, William, which is the development of mm. this this way of working. And mm. I do think when you get to for your consideration. It is. Mm. There's just too many people in that film. Mm. <laughs> what works in that movie is Catherine O'Hara's character. Yeah. She is the, the central thread, and her performance. I mean, do you know the, the premise? Oh yes, I saw it in the British film. I saw it in the um, British. Is that what they called it? The London Film Festival when it mm. came out in 2006. Yeah, I loved for your consideration, and for mm. viewers, listeners, watchers who aren't aware, the whole point of these wonderful films is they'll pick a milieu and then they'll take the Mickey out of it a little bit. So this is Am- Amdram putting on a production in a small town in Missouri. A Mighty Wind is a, a folk music festival. So mm. it's a very specific area of music that is a bit mockable. Um, and Best in Show is dog shows and people who are obsessed with, pr- not pruning, what it, well, yes, pruning, <laughs> pruning, pruning it's, it's and grooming their it? dogs. Yeah. It is, it's absolutely. Mm. And for your consideration, then sort of is the snake eating its own tail because it's about um, Oscars and award shows and that kind of behind-the-scenes Hollywood kind of BS, Which, of isn't course, it? The, the character, Catherine Howard's character gets caught up <clears throat> in the Oscar buzz and she it never... It never eventuates in her being nominated for an Oscar. Mm. She's sort of dejected and broken by the end of the film. But irony is that people talked about Catherine O'Hara being nominated for an Oscar. Right. Mm -hmm. And it never came to anything. (laughs) But wouldn't that have been incredibly meta and incredibly wonderful? If she'd won it. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it though? Yeah. So, yeah, I love all that that, that meta stuff. I mean, taking that is kind of a diving board into theatre camp. Mm. I mean... Subcultures, right? Yes. Like that's that's what drives this this film. Yeah. And I, I've been reading a couple of reviews saying that you know you would appreciate it more if you have a theatre experience. Yeah. You, you feel the energy. You know where it's coming from. Um. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Because I know we all come from similar backgrounds when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I, I thought the broader, you know, comedy and. And the characters and the situations were generally quite entertaining. I, I, th- I well, I mean, I thought it was enormously entertaining. But I, I, I wrote my review, and I was a little bit overboard, and I gave it four and a half stars. And I did write at the end of my review, you know, for that listener audience, in case they write in and say, Sarah, what <laughs> gave it that four and a half stars? But I thought it was average, you know. And I said, look, I'm not sure how the Bob Fosse jokes and the improv is going to resonate with everybody, but as a former drama teacher with twitching jazz hands, I wrote, with twitching jazz hands, I thought it was a gem from, you know, curtain up to, to lights down. Mm-hmm. And um, and I needed to put that caveat in because I don't know. The Bob Fosse table, which is a... It, this is the other thing with theatre camp. <laughs> the lines are so fast, and that's why I uncharacteristically want to see the film again because it's, mm-hmm. it's clever, 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 and it's gone, gone. Mm-hmm. And I love the scenes of them. Um, so Amos, the musical director, played by Ben Platt, isn't it? Um, He's the director. 
sorry, he's the director, yeah. sorry. And he's directing these young people and saying, no, 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 kid, I need to see that you're a dad and you've lost your yeah. child. And the boy's like, but I'm not a dad and I haven't been a dad. And they're treating them like adults. <laughs> now, we've all done those drama exercises. And if we've done them as teens in high school, and I've taught yeah. drama, you have as well, Jeremy, we've taught teens in high school, <laughs> there's a limit to where they can go with authenticity, right? Well, Fair well, enough. What was that line? It's like... Acting is um, is it's l- learning, learning to remember and then choosing to forget. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, it's, and they're all like, okay. And then with Rebecca Diane, the musical director, yeah. saying to these kids, you are amazing. This is going to be the most intense thing you've ever gone through. This will break you. Yeah, You yeah. know, and it's so adult. Well, the thing is, we've heard directors say, this yeah. will break you. Um, uh, you know, wankery, like acting is remembering and then choosing to forget. Yeah. You know, and we can probably work out philosophically what that means, but a 12-year-old, nah, that is funny. I don't know if that is as witty and funny just to everybody if they haven't they might just go, this is a load of a load of rubbish. Although I guess what works in the film's favour as well is that, you know, it, at its base is a very, very simple 1980s style snobs v slobs camp story. True, right? yeah. There's the baddies, the team evil super rich camp literally across the street. Yeah. Um, there, there's the corporate takeover and all that stuff, which is very, very rote. But I feel like they wanted that to layer all the theatre stuff on top. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but okay, so let's talk about Molly and... Um, uh, and Ben. So mm-hmm. Molly and Ben play the leads in that um, in theatre camp, and they in real life have performed together since being children. So the story, as we know, is that Amos and Rebecca Diane are characters who have come back to summer camp and have been coming back to summer camp for years as camp leaders, but that they came up through the Arondirocks Ar- um, <laughs> acts, however it is, theatre camp. Adirondacks. Adirondacks. Um, <laughs> So there is reality in there as well, because mm. these kids are theatre kids who did come up together, who have mm. done all that stuff. And they co-wrote the film with the director and, and a fourth person in the mix. Isn't That's it? right. So with Nick Lieberman and with the chap who plays the uh, stage manager. Who is Noah Galvin. Oh. Noah, Noah, Noah Galvin. Which yeah. is ben, Benjamin Platt's boyfriend. Or in partner. real life. Yeah. In real life. So, yeah, the four of them worked on it together. Can you imagine how fun? Oh, my gosh, this just looks like the best <laughs> job ever. Oh, sorry, Ben, ben Platt just stars in it. So it's Noah Galvin, Molly Gordon, and Nick Lieberman oh, who okay. write it. And then, as you said, Molly and Nick direct it. Yes, and then Molly and Ben star oh, in it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, just you're talking about them being friends. They are so good in this yes. movie. Mm-hmm. And just the, the, the talk about having conviction as characters they was and they're so likable amidst being so obnoxiously <laughs> and self, yes that's right and a little bit self-centered and but but and such a similarity with Guffman right mm-hmm. plot wise as you say the plot is so straightforward auditions rehearsal hitch you know final night and yeah. then we get extended sort of scenes uh, one of the cast members drops out one yeah, of the, the director has to jump that's in. right yeah. and that kind of thing so um yeah exactly and then there's the a, i was just, was just saying you know acting is what was it learning to remember and choosing to <laughs> yeah. forget yeah uh there's that whole stupid conversation between corky and the musical director where <laughs> 
he said, you know, they need to learn it so they can forget it. Well, if they've forgotten That's it, right. why would they learn it in the first That's place? That's right, I did put that. Yeah. a stupid conversation. And That's I thought, so well, that must be, they've obvi- I mean, obviously the kids have watched Guffman and therefore mm-hmm. they're thinking, well, let's let's use a little bit of that, you know, so it is similar. And I, I think similarly to Guffman, man, the cast in theatre camp just slays. Yeah. Every what? single person's like, oh, 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 it's that guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, they're, and they're all kind of up and comings as yeah. well. Similar to, I mean, I mean, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy were very very established as as you know SCTV comedians back in the day but, but they weren't major film stars back no. then no well she'd done home alone she'd done beetlejuice so oh, she'd done yes, quite okay, a bit of she stuff she was yeah. yes all right but but still character actors and yeah. you known as the SNL types yeah. um, but you know have since gone on to have very i think again they've continued as character actors in those small parts but yeah. memorable roles yeah um, and so i you know ben ben Platt's done a bit of stuff but i think we're only going to see more of a lot of these actors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, when um, Ayo Urubiri, who is, you know, it's her year. Yes. She's just an everything amazing this year. So she's from um, The Bear. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and everybody lo- adores her. Yeah. And she's so good in this, but she's not in it. She's in the so, big part. Yeah. She's a yeah. big part of the poster, but I guess that's why. <laughs> that's because she's a rising star. Yeah. But like this year, um, she's in that new movie Bottoms, which apparently is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the voice of April in the new Ninja Turtles, and she's amazing. And mm. Bear season two, she's amazing. It's like bravo! This is w- what a year! What a year! The thing that's also cute, I guess, is mm. I haven't looked into her background, but mm. she's not a musical theatre kid. I don't think is she? No. So no. the cute thing about uh, theatre camp is she's an imposter, <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, I'll do that." And they're like, "You can do stage." Co-. She's like, "Sure." And then when she has that wonderful scene, she's like, "What is stage combat?" <laughs> and the kids are like. It's blah, 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 blah. Which, and I mean, again, unless you've worked with pre- precocious young children who are all called sort of, you know... Um, Diane, ep- Rebecca Diane. No, no, but I meant, you know, like called Epiphany and kind of, you know, Rafferty and whatnot. Um, and then she's like, no, what is stage combat? And they yeah. say, you're love- teaching us to fight. And she's like, oh... Okay, yeah, you know. Uh, I love they didn't overplay that joke as well because the, the real payoff you get is that moment where, the, where one of the girls slaps the other girl at the yeah. party. Yes. And just like, boom, yeah. stage yeah. And, that, and that's the joke. <laughs> and, and there's not some big, horrible fight in the show. No, it's just, no. Or, 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 that, that, or it builds up and it happens in the show. That's, like, what, yeah. I, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I mean. Like, I was, I was expecting that to happen. <laughs> and it, it doesn't. It's just a lovely little bit that adds colour to this kind of world yeah. of yeah. Pedicat. But yeah, uh, speaking of the bear, like Molly Gordon, I, I first saw her this year in The Bear as the main love interest. Um, oh. She's Claire Bear in season two. Oh, we're yeah. only one episode into season oh, two, okay. so I'm not there yet. Oh, so um, Molly Gordon Yeah, she, so she's a main character in season two. And it's like, okay, whoa, I, I, I didn't know she was a theatre kid and a director as well. That's well, amazing. There's your other intersecting yeah. set. This mm-hmm. this Venn diagram is getting unwieldy, <laughs> yeah. can I say. And, and then, um, Jeremy, when you and I went to see it, I, I was the Leo pointing meme of like, oh, oh, that, that's the guy from, uh, from from American Vandal. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Tatro, who, yes. who plays the, the, the crypto... Crypto dude, um, yeah. crypto bro, and he's really good. He's he really good because I was thinking, oh gosh, this yeah. this sort of character trope. But he's quite likable. He by the is likable, and and even when he says, you know, even when he's the straight guy, no pun intended, yeah. asking about well, what's a straight play and what's a gay play oh, and all so that, funny. you know, and and he's not playing that for laughs at all, and neither mm. is. The other chap, is it Noah Galvin? Mm-hmm. Is the yeah? Neither yeah. is he. But do you know what I mean? There are a lot of scenes where he's just empathetic. Uh, yeah. Troy, I'm talking Troy, about yeah. the bro. You know, 
Um, can I just say, there's this lovely line in um, uh, Theatre Camp where they say, um, we're theatre kids or we're theatre people and we turn, uh, we turn cardboard into gold. Yeah. And there's a line I noticed just now in um, Guffman where they say, we're turning cellophane into flames. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I wonder if that's related. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure, I, I mean, there's, there's heaps of stuff I think are, are direct references yeah, right, to government. and fair enough too. Um, I even turned to William in the film because Sarah had already, you already suggested, oh no, we'd already decided Guffman and then yes, you had said to us, oh, it's oh fits. my gosh, this fits mm. like, because yeah. you saw it a week or so before us. I did. And mm. then I turned to you William and was like, this is beat for beat. Like there are <laughs> yeah. moments that are just direct, you know, yeah. pulls from, from Guffman. Mm -hmm. um, I guess just to bring up the queerness in, uh, mm. in theatre camp, you know, mm -hmm. it's really well... Well, I think it's really well put together because you've got lots of clearly rainbow young people. Yeah. Um, and and instructors. Is, yeah, and instructors. And it is present. Mm. Uh, it's important, but it's just part of the world. Yeah. It's yes, not overstated. And that's and very now, isn't it? Isn't it's very real. I mean, absolutely. the school I'm at is, is very um, queer friendly and it's and as a, as a queer teacher and there's quite a few queer staff, it's quite an interesting space to be in and it's mm. very different to my schooling experience in some ways. Mm. But in terms of my time in theatre, mm. theatre camp is very indicative of what it's like. And yeah. the other part that I really liked was that when, that, when the snobs come over... Mm -hmm. And we were sort of talking about this with him as we were walking out of the yeah. theatre. Those theatre kids, they, they know that they're a bit of an odd... They know they're a bit oddball. Yeah. But they also don't care. And so mm -hmm. their whole thing is like, we're going to have a great time. Those guys are boring yes. ass. And that's exactly mm. what we were like yeah. when I was at, at university, for instance. We knew that we were seen as being odd and strange, but we just didn't care. Yeah. we were with each other. We were having mm -hmm. a great old time. We were kind of taking the piss off some of those meet and greet events. Um and, and people, you know, you sort of had the snobs looking at, at you and you're like, well, we're dressed up in silly costumes and having a great old time. Yeah, See right. you later. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, what did I say to you? I was like, is that something that, what was my question to you as we were leaving? It was like, is this, was this well represented? I can't even remember what our conversation was. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, 100%. That, again, my, as a teacher, because I'm a science teacher, not a drama teacher. But <laughs> and you're at an all-boys school and quite, yeah. a, quite a strict all-boys school. Yeah. But um, but again, my exposure to this kind of stuff in a really big way is via two avenues, which is I must in charge of the theatre sports group, mm. and, and there are Avenue some... Q. No, just jokes. Oh, oh, I, I wish. Wait, no, that was a joke. That I was like wish. That was a theatre joke. Oh, that, yeah. that, that would be my dream. Oh my gosh! Job. Can you imagine William? And I can't imagine William with Directing a puppet Avenue Q. No, a at puppet, a puppet in your science class. <laughs> Like, yeah. let's see what Mr. Pringles has to say. My about. ears are going red, yeah. but I love it. Um, oh, this is neither here nor there, but did, did I tell you that Avenue Q changed my life? Anyway, that's a story for another time. So you're two avenues. Um, one is that you're head of the theatre sports at school. And then the other one is, you know, a choir. Like, yes. I, I help out with choir camp and choir events all the time. And it is amazing to see the boys, mm. like, I, I don't know if blossom is the right word, but code switch, right? Um, grammar is, is, you know, Auckland Boys Grammar, where I work, is uh, quite a traditional <coughs> school. We have assemblies, we have uniform, we have short haircuts. Um, and then when the choir kids go on camp, it is the, literally, in every sense of the word, the most diverse set of kids yeah. you will ever meet. Yeah. Right? Um, there's, if we break it down to, you know, breakfast club rules, there's the jocks. 
There's the nerds. Mm. There's the you know what are the other breath books? The dropout, <laughs> the beauty queen, the beauty queen, and the weirdo. They're, they're all there, yeah. Right? But they're all there because they love singing. That's right. Because they love performance, and it doesn't matter if you're in the first fifteen. It doesn't matter if you're a prefect. Or if you're straight, if you're queer, if you're really shy and really small, as in one meter tall, or if you're this huge basketball dude, it's like you're at choir camp for one thing, and that is to perform. That is gorgeous. Um, and I, I felt that energy so strongly in theatre camp. Yes. It's like young people, you know, if their hearts are set on one thing and it's linked to performance, like they're going to go for it. It's finding your tribe, yeah. isn't it? I, do you know, that's exactly my, well, it's not exactly, but that really, really meets my experience of uh, teaching drama. And one of my most beautiful memories was I, uh, so that, you know, how they talk in teaching of having high expectations, uh, and sometimes I'm a little unrealistic. And I threw my year 13 class, very small class of about 10 kids, and I threw them a Tom Stoppard play. <laughs> Uh, very, very complicated wow. British playwright. I know, whatever. Okay, nice. Um, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? No, it was um, The Real Inspector Hound. Mm. And um, my goodness, they, they you know, grabbed mm. the um, the challenge, what it took up the mantle, whatever the phrase is. It's neither of those. And, um, and after the performance, one of the deans came up to me and she was so moved and she said to me, three of the cast, Sarah, and she might actually even have said four of the ten, she said, they were in my learning assistance class in third and fourth form, or year nine and ten, and it is just gorgeous to see these young people with enormous suddenly grown confidence and articulation and, and being up there and performing a bloody complicated play and doing a really sterling job. And, mm. and how wonderful that is, because my experience had been with those young people as well, teaching them several years um, in a row, which you get the, the luxury of doing in a, a drama uh, in, a, in a high school where you are the main or only drama teacher, you actually get to see this progress. Mm. And it isn't mm. all the cool kids and the jocks and the, the, the prom queens and the prefects. It's the kids who come in there to the drama room mm. and they find their tribe and they bond and they support one another. And they do ludicrous things because that's part of the, wah, yeah. wah, 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 you know, um, and they love it. And they love me. And maybe that's why I do it. No. <laughs> twitching jazz hands. Twitching jazz oh. hands. But it is that transformative, isn't mm -hmm. it? Was camp as well. I think that whole, mm. that whole camp experience. And obviously yeah. the United States has a really strong summer camp tradition. Yes. That we, we don't have here. We definitely have camps here in New Zealand. But it's, yeah. it's quite different. It's a different sort of focus. I reckon there are parents here who post-pandemic would pay good money for there to be summer camps. <laughs> I think to so. To be honest. <laughs> I think so. It did occur to me coming out of theatre camp, yeah. why don't we do that? Do you know why I think we don't is not as big here? Because we have so many key holidays in our summer holidays. Yeah. You and know? our summer holidays are shorter, right? Right. It's a whole month shorter than what they have in the Yeah, States. but I mean, you could take kids away for a month and the parents would be extremely <laughs> happy. And you don't need them for more than a month. Yeah, but I mean, if you take them away, when do you take them away for a month? Because you've got Christmas and New Year's in the next year. January, mm. early Jan till the end of Jan or something. Jan yes. 2nd. <laughs> yeah. Look, I don't know. We'll talk about this offline, but I just don't know why we don't well, have it. I tell you, we, in Nelson, where I grew up, there is um, mm. a number of great um, Christian youth camps. And so we would go there for the holidays and and, and they're open to, to all young people, but with a Christian theme and obviously a different edge than 
theatre camp. It's same, same, but different, you know. It's a bunch of kids and... And and really, you're just kids trying to figure out life, and you know, there's, there's romances, and yeah. there's there's late night chats, and there's bonding, and, and there's activities, fires and, walks and, and that's right. Um, and so that was very resonant for me. And obviously, the theatre putting a show on in, in theatre camp and Christian camp, it's you would have music, and you would have sermons, and you'd have uh, little productions and mm, things, yeah. kind of focused around Christian Christian things. But um, yeah, but that's my experience. So I did grow up with camps, and I think a lot of people did grow up with camps, yeah. and so that's resonant as well. Yeah. I guess back to that first one of the first points we were talking about is how relevant is this for people who haven't had theatre connections? Mm. I mean, it's still a really well made film. I think yeah. if, if it wasn't a well made film, we wouldn't be responding so positively to it. But yes. there's enough ins for people. The characters yeah. are really clearly defined. If you're not familiar with this subculture you're just going to enjoy it for what it is regardless yeah. of whether you fully get every single joke i mean guffman i'm still getting jokes in that film yes. now and yes, i'm going yes. oh that's what that's about we were yes. laughing at the end at the remains of the day jokes and, yes. yeah, uh, yeah. And the remains that? of the day lunchbox uh, the, the, my dinner with andre action figures, figures. <laughs> yeah which you is know. just such a deep cut you yes know? yeah and it's and you're right because it's fine if you don't know my dinner with andre and that's not absurd <laughs> to you it doesn't matter you just move on and yeah. also you can laugh at corky Playing, you know, you get the joke that these yeah. are not. This is not a scene that you would have action figures for. Yeah. I tell you what, I am glad of, and I don't. Oh, I was going to say, well, and I don't mean to be mean to Quentin. I guess I kind of do. I'm glad Quentin <laughs> didn't direct either film because neither of them is flabby. And um, the thing with theatre camp, that's such a that's what a connection. Well, no, because <laughs> they are. I mean, look, they're all of. And there's just not enough feet. Uh, no, no, yeah. I'm saying neither of them is, is like too long. Like they're really well edited. You're right. And um, yeah. so flipping theatre camp, which I think is 90 minutes, I don't actually know. Even if it's 100, it's not terribly, terribly long. Mm -hmm. Theatre camp was 70 hours of improv. Wow. 70 hours of improv wow. cut into that film. That is enormous restraint. Mm. And as we've said before on this podcast, but it, were, it bears repeating... <laughs> Quentin apparently sits in the room with his editor, and if he laughs at a cut, then it goes in the movie, which is why we wind up with, you know, these 45-hour epics and things, because, you know, it amuses him, and, and fair enough. But um, there must be classic stuff on the cutting room floor from both of those films. Well, I mean, as I've said, definitely for Wayne for Guffman. Yeah. Like, there's a whole sequence. I mean, you talk about Bob Odenkirk's audition sequence. Millie, Millie Mae Brown, is it her name? Um, the Parker Posey character? Mm -hmm. Oh, right. She has a whole monologue which is, it is spectacular. Mm. But of course, it's a five-minute sequence. Mm. And, all, you know, and, and they just said, we, just, we couldn't cut bits of it. You need the whole thing. Exactly. To get it. There's, there's yeah, whole sequences from the show that are cut that are just wonderful. But mm. um, in terms of um, theatre camp and this film having a short runtime, yeah, it's just so well, tidy, nice. Tidy runtime. Yeah. It's just so refreshing. Yeah. I mean, two hours? Yes, please. Oh, yeah. If you've heard the new Marvels movie, and I'm over the Marvel movies, but the new movie, The Marvels, is only 98 minutes long, and I'm like, mm. sign me up. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Happily <laughs> watch, I'll happily watch a, a, an action film that's, you know, an hour and a half. Do you know the other thing that I really respect about Theatre Camp? Oh, so Theatre Camp is 93 minutes. Nice. Um, the other thing I really respect about it is, we call it a mockumentary, and we all now know that a mockumentary is a fake documentary, mm -hmm. um, but it isn't actually mocking. And, I, and so there would have been a tradition to have little kids up there singing really badly, and that would be part of the joke. But the kids are amazing. 
That they is the joke, sing, isn't it? No, like but when they he's singing sing beautifully. Like when that wonderful young man is singing, there's a hole in the world, yeah, like, yeah. Red, like <laughs> Sweeney Todd. And but he's like, amazing. That's, and it's that's what a, I would do. Yeah. But, it's a, but the point is, he's, it's a joy to listen to. Yeah. And the young girl yeah. with the, you know, preternaturally strong yeah. voice, and using she's that, so using young. Using the, the Vicks Vapor oh, album. That's right. That, that scene. That was a test that the doping. She's been yeah. using. She's using. You see, so my point is, it's not mocking the kids, and it isn't mocking the performers. It's sort of mocking Rebecca Diane because she's a bit of a hippie. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it isn't actually being mean and mocking anybody. But what it is gently mocking is the industry, the mm. context, the yeah. world of it. Guffman, by comparison, is a little more mocking of the people. It's a little more mocking of small town. Have you seen that wonderful film, which I don't think is a Chris Guest film, um, and oh my God, and I've just forgotten what it's called, State and Maine, and it's the one William H. Macy and a bunch of um, film people come to a small town in America to shoot a movie. Okay. Alec, Alec Baldwin's in it. So they have one fancy hotel and the, 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 the Hollywood people come in and everyone goes, oh my God, it's like New Zealand. Oh my God, there's yeah. famous people here, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's a little bit cringy, a little bit embarrassing. And it's a little bit mocking, obviously, of the small towns. Now, Blaine is a very mockable small town. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to some extent, obviously, corky, uh, the dentist, particularly the couple, Sheila and um, Ron, and Ron, yeah. they're all playing it a little, excuse me, playing it a little bit for laughs, obviously, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? But I really like that Theatre Camp doesn't do down those young people. It upholds their mana. I it's, mean, yeah, you you, know, you're right about the young people, but it definitely is the counsellors. The counsellors yeah. are up for laughs, aren't they? Like they. But not. I, I, I also feel yeah. like the, the, the young people don't seem to be the point of theatre camp. No. Um, I, I think a lot of the right, the actual writing, not the improv stuff, is with the creators of yes. of the film, right? Mm. Yes. Because apparently this is based off a short film from 2020. Yes. Um, and it, it just seems like they they have such distinct characters in mind yeah. and we're writing jokes and dialogue and that kind of thing yeah 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 um i wish we saw more of the young people again mm. what you were saying jeremy about like camp culture um yeah i mean it is a very distinct thing and we see some of it throughout mm. but uh but i, I want to see more i think that that stuff is more interesting to me yes than uh the more you know um uh, the less improved stuff yes like the corporate yeah. business of you know that oh that awful woman who turns up and is trying to inveigle her way into troy's world and stuff but that's just yeah. that's just a mechanism isn't she it she's a great actor though that actor she did a great job mm-hmm. and and how she sort of was flirting with him by speaking his language yeah, yeah. and he knew that she was yeah no, no good that's all very clever yeah yeah well i i must say uh thank you very much guys for bringing up especially waiting for government mm. uh first time seeing it and it's awesome mm. i love it um mm. and really really ties in well to everything we're talking about with theater camp mm. uh, just a really great pairing this time around Yay. Nice. well thank you for listening to another episode of cinema in context if you enjoy our podcast consider signing up to our patreon cinema in context patrons receive access to exclusive minisodes opportunities for one-on-one discussions about the films you love and our extended episode catalog including extended content of the episode you're listening to right now. We discuss our favourite moments from each film, things that we might change, and a third film and or television show that we might group with these two movies. Mm-hmm. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash cinema in context. You can listen to Cinema in Context on SoundCloud, Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on YouTube, 
I mean, I say Twitter. What is it? X mm. now? X. But don't. Oh, gosh. Instagram and Facebook, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode, as well as give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, no more am I.